Hello, my Rebels. Today, I take you through some fascinating footage shot a few days ago in Seattle when someone gets trapped in their car in the middle of one of these protest mobs. Very interesting to watch that video frame by frame. I'll take you through it. Um, of course, you could listen to it as a podcast, but I really think this is one of those videos where a video, uh, you need to see the video. I'll describe it for you in meticulous detail. But I think you need to see what this guy went through. You can see it by becoming a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnews.com. It's eight bucks a month or 80 bucks for the whole year. And you'll see this crazy video. All right, here's the show. Tonight, what would you do if you were caught in the middle of a street mob these days? It's June 9th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Did you see that clip from the president of the Minneapolis City Council? That's not the mayor. It's sort of like the chief legislator, if I'm understanding the position right. So the head of the alderman, really. Her name is Lisa Bender. So in some ways, she's more important than Minneapolis's atrocious mayor. You remember him, Jacob Fry, this guy? The danger became necessary, and, and I made the decision uh, to evacuate the third precinct. So that guy then became this guy because he only said he'd partly abolish the police department, not totally abolish it. Yeah, so Lisa Bender saw the riots, and then she saw that street rally demanding the abolition of police and the defenestration of the super woke but still not woke enough mayor, and she knew which way the wind was blowing, so she's one of the Minneapolis city councilors who immediately endorse the idea of total abolition of the police department. I'm serious, that's madness, but she's for the madness. She wants to surf that crazy wave. Mayor Fry couldn't handle it, but this woman thinks she can. Take a look at this interview, this is amazing. Do you understand that the word dismantle or police free also makes some people nervous? For instance, what if in the middle of the night, my home is broken into, who do I call? Yes, I mean, I, I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors, and I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege, because for those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality, where calling the police may mean more harm is done. Did you catch that? It's white privilege to feel safe. It's white privilege to feel like someone's going to help you if you're being robbed and you call 911. You know, maybe it is. I mean, Bender grew up in literally the whitest city in Minnesota, Shoreview. Even today, the black population is exactly 1% there. It's whiter than Utah. It's whiter than Antarctica. Shoreview was voted the seventh best town in America to raise a family. I bet she did not only grow up thinking, but actually knowing that police are good and police are there to help and you can trust police and you'll be safe. So she wants to, I think I'm understanding her here, she wants to punish everyone who has that privilege 
by taking that away from them, by making them feel the fear of the worst neighborhoods, the poorest neighborhoods, the blackest neighborhoods. She doesn't want to raise them up. She doesn't want to give them the same feeling of security and protection that she had growing up in Shoreview. She wants to pull the white parts down. I'm pretty sure that's what she's saying. Here, take a listen again, starting where she said a lot of people are telling her she's nuts, but she won't change her mind and she won't change the subject. Remember that part? Yes, I mean, I, I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors. And I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege because for those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality where calling the police may mean more harm is done. Now, I agree the part of empathy is trying to imagine what it's like to be someone else. That's sort of the definition of empathy. Put yourself in their shoes. I think that's a key trait of being a human, actually, and it's good for a politician. So when she says we need to imagine the fear of not having police that'll help you, I think there could be a place for that thought exercise, an imagination exercise after which we might naturally say, well, how can we help everyone feel confident, like a little rich white girl named Lisa Bender growing up in a perfect picket fence white town called Shoreview, how can we help everybody feel the same way she felt growing up? I think that's a really noble idea. By the way, I have some suggestions. Uh, look for success where it happened. Like how Rudy Giuliani turned New York City from the most violent city to the safest city with a real focus on the black parts of the city, which had the highest crime. Rudy Giuliani didn't say, we want to make the rich Upper West Side live in terror just like they do in Harlem. He said, I want Harlem to feel as safe as the Upper West Side. And he realized that the police Harlem vigorously was not racist. In fact, it was what the residents there desperately wanted. I remember hearing a speech by a Giuliani uh, official almost 20 years ago when I was in New York who said that in Harlem, there was often a single thug, one single criminal, a drug dealer or a gun dealer or a gang member who would terrify an entire city block of people. Just one city block, that's still a lot of people, and everyone would know the guy who would bully them or threaten them or rob them or scare them or hit them or, God forbid, try to recruit their, recruit their sons. And that one guy, that one criminal, this official said, would terrify 200 other people in the block, make 200 other people suffer because that's how many people would live on a block. Um, one person held 200 people hostage, really, made them afraid, made them stay indoors, put bars on their windows, and no point calling the cops in the 1970s. But Giuliani swept up that one guy on each block through his broken windows approach to policing, and soon the 200 de facto prisoners on that block would be free because the criminal would be gone, and maybe they could even eventually take the bars off their window one day and hang out on their porch after sunset. My, by broken windows theory, I mean the theory by uh, Nobel laureate James Q. Wilson, who said, if people in the community see that small crimes are ignored, they get the message. It's a community that doesn't care about crime. Graffiti, jaywalking, jumping the turnstiles on the subway without paying, littering. So you crack down on these, the, the theory goes, you send a message to the whole community, we're civilized around here, we don't tolerate crime around here, that's not how we do it around here. And by the way, you're often sweeping up people who happen to be bad dudes too. You pick up someone for jaywalking, maybe you pick them up, they had something else they were wanted for. That's how New York City turned it around. The police saved New York. And the police did not destroy it. In Minneapolis, they seem to be saying that the looters 
are the answer and the police are the problem. Do you understand that the word dismantle or police free also makes some people nervous? For instance, what if in the middle of the night my home is broken into? Who do I call? Yes, I mean, I, I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors. And I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege because for those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality where calling the police may mean more harm is done. That is crazy. You know, Lisa Bender had a master's degree in city planning from Berkeley. I would think that she would be horrified by what's happening in Minneapolis. I mean, she's a city planner, but the kind of city planning they talk about at Berkeley is exactly what is unfolding in Minneapolis, actually. I was reading a bit about her biography. By the way, she lives in the whitest part of Minneapolis to this day. Uh, she moved from Shoreview to a neighborhood in Minneapolis that's 4% African-American. I don't know how that's even possible in a city as minority. Uh, it's almost been minority majority in Minneapolis. So she's staying away from the black parts of town. Isn't that strange? I came across this line in her biography. In 2009, she moved to New York City and worked as the communications director for the Institute for Transportation and Development Policy, traveling around the world advocating for biking, walking, and non-motorized transportation. Did you catch that? She traveled the world advocating for no motorized transportation. Just turn that around in your head a bit. She can jet set to exotic places. You have to walk or ride a bike. That's not how she lives, but she wants others to live that way. I mean, she's a little bit nuts about it. City aims for 60% of trips made by transit, bike or foot by 2030. Let me, let me just show you this. This is Minneapolis in the winter. I just found this on YouTube, random video. It is not far south of Winnipeg, you know. 60% of your trips by transit, bike or foot, even in the dead of winter? It's about ideology, it's about controlling you, it's about treating people not as people, but as ants in an ant colony, some sort of experiment. That's what this all is to her. She herself jets around the world while telling you to walk. Every politician goes out to these protests at will while telling you you can't visit with your own family because of the pandemic. It's like Leo DiCaprio protesting global warming from his private jet and his private yacht. He absolutely means it, he actually does, but just for you, not for him, because he's He's different. He's better than you, don't you see? Do you really think Lisa Bender would allow herself and her family to be unprotected by police? She'll be able to afford private security. She lives in one of the safest parts of Minneapolis. But this woman, well, she won't have as much luck. I work here part-time. Plus, I'm a part owner of this store. You said Black Lives Matter. Why don't you choke me? I'm black. Tell him, sister. Look what you did to my store. Tell him, sister. Look! Look what you did to my store. Tell him, sister. That's right, because I got they back. These are my clothes right here. Good men. Look at the things you've done. Good men. Look! The Black Lives Matter. We've been here all night cleaning up. All night cleaning. And you got black people now. Right here with them. Black people. Black Lives Matter. You lied. You wanted to loot in the store. You needed money. Get a job like I do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the white liberal elite will be just fine, police force or no police force. Pretty sure the Harlem of Minneapolis is about to get a lot worse. But I've got another video for you today. I showed you the first part 
on my noontime show yesterday. I don't know if you watch it, but every day at noon, we have a one-hour live stream show at 12 noon Eastern time. I do it half the time. Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies do it the rest of the time. And I show this video. It's a bit distracting because of the hysterical commentary by the guy who took the video. But take a look, and it is dramatic, but I'm afraid the violence, sorry, the voiceover is a, is a little bit too much. But take a look anyways. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, God! No! No! Oh, God! Oh, Jesus! Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, Jesus! Oh, no! Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, God! He's got a gun! He's got a gun! Oh, God! Oh, my God! Oh, no! Oh, God! Now, that is quite something, but can I say a few things to you about it? And then can I play it back to you again without that guy screaming over the top of it? Just, I'll play it back silently. I think that screamer at first thought that the car was coming to ram into the protesters on the street, like what happened in Charlottesville in 2017. Someone rammed their car into the crowd and killed someone. He was convicted of murder. So maybe that was the mind, on the mind of the cell phone commentator this time. It's true the car speeds up, but then it immediately slows down and, and stops, and it didn't hit anyone. Didn't ram anyone, not at all. People bolt out of the way, which is a good instinct if you're standing on a road, but a handful of people actually chase the car, and then there's the guy who puts a small gate or barricade in front of the car to stop it, and the car stops anyways, he doesn't ram his way through. So watch it again without the noise. Car speeds up, but then slows down and stops. People start to mob the car. Look at the smashing the car itself then, someone on the right side of the car smashing it, someone on the left side, car reaching into it, and then that guy falling back shot, and then the driver gets out and immediately goes into the crowd. Watch one more time without the sound. Okay, so was the driver of the car a good guy or a bad guy? What would you do if your car was mobbed by violent people? Blocked illegally on a road, smashed, you were grabbed. Would you just enjoy becoming another anonymous victim of these riots? What would you do if you had a gun? And these are tough questions. There's a race hustler named Sean King. I don't know if you know about him. He's actually white in a weird Rachel Dolezal way. He, he claims to be black. He's as white as me. Just saying. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being white, but he claims to be a black activist. He writes as if he's a black activist. He is white. And look what he wrote about this. He said, Seattle, tonight, 
This man in the black car, a known white supremacist, was clearly planning to run protesters in Seattle over. People filming saw it unfolding. He then shoots a man, gets out of the car, brandishing his gun. Was he clearly planning to run protesters over? Sort of looks like the opposite. He sped up and then immediately slowed down when people didn't get out of the way anymore. It sort of looks like he was clearly planning to not run protesters over. He did shoot a man, yes, a man who was reaching into his car. And he did brandish a gun, but is he really a known white supremacist? Known by whom? Known as what? What was this white supremacist's name? Who knew this knowing? Who knew? Does Sean McKean, Sean King know? He doesn't seem to know. How could he know if he didn't know a name? Do you think there's a chance he, you know, just made that part up? Well, I don't know, but then I saw this close-up of the man emerging from the car. Doesn't look like a white supremacist to me, does he? Doesn't, doesn't look white. Looks darker than Sean King. Did Sean King just make that up to get some clicks and to stoke his narrative as to who was really doing the violence in these protests? Here's the Seattle newspaper. They actually named the guy. He was arrested and charged with assault. His name is Nicholas Fernandez. He's Latino. He was released on $150,000 bail. I haven't heard any other riders who had to make bail. They're just all released if they're even arrested. But this guy had big bail to post. Here's how he was described. I think this was a police statement reported in the newspaper. A male aggressively approached the barrier that was keeping people away from the East Precinct building, breached the barrier, and yelled to officers, I just had to shoot somebody. They tried to jack my car. Okay, so not only was he not running away and hiding, but he was actively seeking out police. He aggressively approached the police. I guess he did look aggressive and agitated. He had just had his car mobbed, and he just shot a guy in the arm. He was going to be okay, it turns out, but he was aggressively turning himself in and confessing. I just had to shoot somebody. They tried to jack my car. as in hijack it, yeah? I think that's what we saw, wasn't it? Well, that changes the narrative. He's not a white supremacist. He's not white. He says they tried to hijack his car, which we pretty much saw for ourselves. He didn't go on a shooting spree or a smashing spree or any spree. He was aggressively looking for the cops to turn himself in and get help from the mob, I think. And of course, he's being charged. No worry about charges from, for the mob that attacked him in his car, including the guy he shot. But that tweet from Sean King calling him a known white supremacist, it's still up on Twitter right now. The lie is still up, as it is a thousand other places on the internet. Hey, what would you have done if your car was swarmed and attacked? You were just driving on a road, and you made a wrong turn, and there was a mob there, and you tried to speed away, and you slowed down. What would you have done? And what would you have done if you had a gun? And would your answer change if you had your kids in the car with you? This guy didn't, but might it change it one way or the other? And what's my point? Well, my point is this. You've now seen life in a place where the police are abolished. Now, they weren't quite abolished there in Seattle at that moment, but almost. The mob controlled the streets. They swarmed a car on the street, started to smash it. They tried to mete out some mob justice on the car, and he got rougher with them. He brought a gun to a smashing fight. Now he'll be judged in a court. I don't think a real jury would convict him, but I think maybe the jury these days in some parts of the U.S. are really made up of the street mob. Reminds me of that scene in Batman when a bad guy named Bane takes over Gotham in an Occupy Wall Street kind of way, Antifa kind of way, and he has brutal street trials. 
Yeah, we know what defunding police means now. Lisa Bender told us it means living in fear as some sort of racial remedy. Even if you do have a gun, you live in fear. She thinks it's time we imagine living in fear. She says she wants us to more than imagine it. She wants to actually make it come true. I see now Toronto politicians are getting excited by the idea too, because apparently gun crime isn't high enough yet, so let's just take more cops off the street. And I see Montreal wants in on the action too. I'm surprised Vancouver and Ottawa aren't in yet. They will be in due time, yeah. They mean it, people. They mean it. Except in our Canadian version of this de-policing story, you wouldn't have a gun in your car. You'd just be dead. Stay with us for more. Over the last few days uh, in, uh, in the UK, we've realized how the, the police have slightly lost control of the situation on the streets. And not only that, in Bristol, senior police officers essentially surrendered uh, to the protesters, well, the so-called protesters, who uh, brought down a statue. That's Meyer Tusi, a very interesting commentator in the United Kingdom, criticizing police basically surrendering to the mob. But he did more than just comment about it. Take a look at this. Here's an image of Meyer Tusi himself going down to the Churchill statue where it was vandalized itself. There he is cleaning up the vandalism. Well, I'm so delighted to have Meyer Tusi, YouTuber, talk radio contributor, and free trade Brexiteer joining us now via Skype from the UK. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Thanks for taking the time with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, I tell you, I was gripped by the sight of those protests in the United Kingdom. Uh, can you tell me what they were about? I, I find it hard to, to, to think that they were genuinely about an American incident because it seemed everything and anything, it was a grab bag of the usual suspects rioting and protesting and just going out for a lark. Maybe they'd been cooped up for two months and they just wanted to stretch their legs. You tell me you're actually on the scene there what were those UK marches actually about? Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, it, what, what is, you know, it's not just the, the last two months because of the lockdown, but uh, this is a, something that's been going on for years and decades. Uh, they, they're hard left neo-Marxists. Um, they're always organized. They always wait for the right time to find the right excuse to come out and protest and riot. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, some sort of like education change in terms of policy or McDonald's increasing their prices. I don't know. Uh, so it's, it's just an excuse. And uh, you're right to say that you know, something that happened in America, which even in America, it is a heated debate in terms of the actual reasoning behind it, because uh, police aggression and the even brutality. Um, by individual police officers, you know, around the world, that exists. But pretending that, you know, you know exactly what happens in someone's head and say, well, that brutality, that aggression happened because I know for a fact that that police officer is racist. And because of that, that means the whole establishment and institution is racist. That's the problem. And so there's absolutely, they have no facts or evidence in to prove that uh, there is institutional racism uh, in the West, but that they are fighting an imaginary uh, enemy, basically. Well, I saw a statistic, and maybe you can confirm it or deny it, um, that last year in the whole of the United Kingdom, uh, precisely two men of color who were unarmed in police custody died, two of them, and one of them was a terrorist. Now, we don't want anyone dying in police custody. That's 
too suspicious. It looks rough. Yep. But in a country of 67 million people, that doesn't sound like a crisis. I'm not, I'm not excusing what may be one or two atrocities, but that doesn't sound like it's the whole lot of police in the UK are rotten. No, not just that. Firstly, um, in terms of the British police, we had the protests, uh, obviously, in London the other night, and uh, the protesters were uh, standing in front of the police, the standard police officers, and they were shouting, don't shoot. The British police don't have guns unless you get the right police out. Like the, the ordinary British police officer doesn't have guns. I don't know what they're shouting at. Uh, don't shoot. How are we going to shoot you? And that's one problem. Second problem is that, as you said, the, 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 we don't have that problem in, in the UK uh, with the police because uh, the, their issue is they say in certain communities and areas, the police are targeting people based on skin color. It's not necessarily that because I personally, obviously my background is Persian. I happen to be slightly tanned and brown. And uh, a few years ago, the peak of the London uh, terrorism and the threats that we were getting in London, uh, the, the police were told, rightly so, to go to certain areas on certain days when they received warnings to, you know, do random checks. And I was stopped three times, like, like a few months, uh, in certain areas on certain days. And the police actually politely explained why they were doing it. They said, you know, we, we received some... Uh, threats and warnings in this area on this day and uh, you know we're just going to double check to see you know um, everything's fine and you know who you are and I was absolutely fine with that I cooperated because you know it's not my fault it's just a weird coincidence that uh, like Islamist terrorists uh, look like me I didn't blame it's not the fault of the police uh, they have to be careful and you know in certain areas in London um, there are you know, certain communities that in terms of uh, for example drug crime um, it's done by certain you know, uh, groups. And in the past, East London, this, um, the drug uh, criminals were white and the police were going after white people. So it depends on time and generation and the area, basically. Now, um, in the United States, there are a small number, but very vigorous um, blacks for Trump, black conservatives trying to break the narrative that if, as Joe Biden said, if you're for Trump, you ain't black. And yep. I, I want to ask you, have you received any commentary from the British left, which is very vocal? Have you received any denigrating comments? How dare you support uh, uh, the police or Winston Churchill? You ought yep. to know better as a man of color. Have you received any of that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I received a few death threats yesterday and, and well, the last couple of days. And uh, some of them are kind of slightly more direct, so the, the Metropolitan Police are actually on the case. Uh, but generally, they are, they are, the ironic comments that I've received so far uh, from, for example, these hard-left Black Lives Matter activists uh, that say we are anti-racist. Uh, I actually have the, I have the screenshots of these comments uh, saying that, uh, how dare you obviously like support Churchill or, I don't know, clean up the, 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 the area or... Uh, or be against Black Lives Matter, and then they end up finishing the sentence by saying, oh, you're just an Indian boy or a Paki boy or whatever, and, and I'm, my background is Persian. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that they claim not to be racist, but then they start attacking you racially, that's kind of hilarious. Uh, but it, it is a serious problem, and I do believe that cultural wars are starting. And we were warning on the conservative side a couple of years ago, a few years ago, saying that the cultural wars are, could be a problem. It's going to start soon. And we need to win the battle. You said there are some, you know, black and non-white conservatives. Uh, it's not necessarily a conservative thing in that sense. It's uh, just sensible people uh, who are standing up against uh, 
these loud uh, protesters and activists. And I think we need to get more of them out because, uh, in my view, the majority of uh, the black community, at least in Britain, uh, aren't supporting them because the majority of black people are culturally conservative. They're just, they just believe in their family values and their job and their house. They don't want to get involved with any of this stuff. Yeah. I think maybe that's a reason why anyone who is black or minority gets it particularly hard from the left because you disprove their thesis. I, I saw a, a, some statistics in a large uh, American poll that an enormous number of American blacks not only support policing in the face of these riots, they actually want the National Guard to come in. So I think we're yeah. certainly hearing from the activists. Uh, let me ask you uh, one more question that's sort of biographical. I, I've just discovered you because of your courageous stand um, and I'm, I'm just learning a little bit about you. I, I, I find it very interesting. Um, give me your prediction. You just hit 100,000 followers on YouTube. Congratulations. I remember that milestone for our company. It took us years to get there. So that's, a, that's tremendous. What sorts of things do you think the news will bring in the rest of 2020? I know that's a tough thing to predict between the pandemic and the riots. It's been a crazy year. But you obviously have your finger on the pulse of a lot of issues, including Brexit. What does the rest of the year hold for the United Kingdom? Yeah, oh, firstly, I've just reached 150,000. But, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, you're right. There, there is going to be, uh, you can't really predict, but there are a couple of things that will definitely happen. Uh, one, in the next few weeks, we're going to start the Brexit debate again, because uh, a few weeks time from now is the deadline for both the EU and the UK to uh, agree to any possible extension. and. The way things are going, I don't think there will be an extension unless something happens, which means for the next six months, uh, there will just be a constant debate about uh, this you know, no deal Brexit cliff edge. The country is going down and that possibility in the media. We're going to have that. We're going to definitely have these culture uh, debates uh, heated and it's going to it has started on race. But I can assure you all the other groups are going to come out as well. You're going to have the militant, um, hardcore feminists, you got the vegans, you got all the cultural groups, they're going to get together because they all have the same agenda, which is Marxism. And we're going to have to have that because there's not much else going on politically, again, apart from Brexit stuff. And uh, but we also have to deal with the economic uh, problems because uh, there, there might be obviously a financial recession. I mean, we might actually be in it already. And uh, so you're going to have some boring debates, which is kind of dry economics because of the, what's happening after the lockdown, uh, but also some more heated uh, cultural stuff uh, with everything that's happening with Black Lives Matter and also the Brexit trade talks. Oh. Well, it's very fascinating. I have a deep love for the United Kingdom that I've come to in the last few years. Haven't been able to travel there in a few months, obviously, so it's nice to catch up with you. I look forward to watching your YouTube videos, and thanks for correcting me on your viewer count. I know there's a lag time when you get that plaque from uh, YouTube headquarters. So congratulations on that again. Well, what a pleasure. Congratulations to you. Stay strong and stay safe. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Bye -bye. All right, there you have it. That's Meyer Tusi, a YouTuber, talk radio contributor, and a man who went out to personally clean the graffiti off the Winston Churchill statue. Stay with us, more ahead on the left. Hey, welcome back on my monologue yesterday. Sherry writes, You write about never bending the knee to the mob. It shows weakness, not strength. As if to prove a point, Trudeau's bending the knee for a photo op. Donald Trump had him pegged right from the start. Not only does it show weakness personally, but if you're representing something bigger than yourself, 
Do you have permission on behalf of the police department, on behalf of the government of Canada, to bend the knee on their behalf to some mob? Says who? Is that how we write laws and make policy and do policing in Canada? No, it is not. If you want to go humiliate yourself in your own uh, identity, but Trudeau went there as a prime minister, and so did all these police. Liam writes, Mayor Jacob Fry is weak and deserve what he got. Yeah, but I don't think the good people of Minneapolis deserve what they got, even though they voted for the guy. Ironically, he wasn't even the craziest guy on the ballot, and he'll be replaced by someone crazier next time. It makes me sad that the chief victims here will be poor black urban dwellers. Uh, rich folks like um, Lisa Bender already live in safe neighborhoods in Minneapolis, and they'll be able to afford private security anyways. It's sad. On my interview with Ben Weingarten, David writes, let them have Minneapolis. Anybody with any sense will vacate the city post haste. When the city crumbles under the stupidity, the proof of communist failure will be evident. Yeah, I don't think we need more proof, though. I think we know where this path leads. Detroit, Baltimore. Um, it's well proven. We don't need to add one more city to this roster. It's just misery for the people who are trapped there, and it infects other cities with bad ideas, and we bear the cost of it, too, not in Canada for American disasters, but throughout America. Yeah, it's... A Leninist would say the worse the better, but, but we don't believe that. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us from Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm.